Greetings, Team Ajilam. Welcome back again. We are now on our 12th episode of the Walking with God series, and today we're going to be looking at John chapter 8 from verse 1 to 12. Beautiful portion of scripture, just like all of them. So allow me to read it. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Hallelujah! Hey, what a word, what a word. This is such a great portion of scripture that really gives us a glimpse into the heart of Christ. So now the thing that's happening here is that Jesus is teaching at the temple. And again, as he's speaking, his biggest challenges, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, bring a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd and they ask Jesus, you know, they tell Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Now, already what's really interesting about this story is the fact that the law that they're referring to in the law of Moses is Deuteronomy 22 and verse 22, okay? Where it says, if a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die. In this way, you will purge Israel of such evil. Now, the thing that's interesting about this is that it says in this law that they make reference to, that both the man and the woman must die. But what's interesting is that these guys only present the woman. They are already going against the very law that they are coming to ask Jesus about. Okay? So it already tells you that these guys' hearts are not in the right place. That the desire is not necessarily to see the law of God fulfilled. Because if they were interested in doing that, then they would have brought both the man and the woman that they had caught in the act of adultery, right? And so the thing that's interesting in this scripture is that it actually tells us what their true motive is. And their true motive is, is that they were trying to trap Jesus into, some, into saying something that they could use against him. This was, not, this was actually their true intention. That their true intention was not to stand with God's law. Man, I'm telling you, even as I say this, I'm like, I feel like there are so many people eh, who will come and tell you what the Bible says, <laughs> right? And their real intention, if they were really following the word of God, yeah, they would follow it properly. But these guys only, 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 only followed halfway. <laughs> they only followed it halfway. And they wanted to use that same law that they were following halfway. They themselves were following halfway to condemn this woman. 
how many of us are like that? We follow the, the, the law of God halfway, <laughs> or rather we follow the, the word of God halfway. And then that's the same word <laughs> we use to condemn others. The one we ask you are following half. Oh, come on. That's not even the notes. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, Jesus initially doesn't respond to them, okay? Instead, he stoops down and begins to write in the dust with his finger. I wonder what he was writing in the dust. And I bet she was probably, well, I don't know what she was writing. But I wonder if maybe he was writing, where is the man? <laughs> yeah, you guys have, a, you have, you have followed the law half. We followed half the law. Where is the man, you know? And we don't know what he was writing on the, on, on the ground, right? But the thing is that these guys keep pressing him for an answer. And eventually he stands up and says to them, all right. So he doesn't stand up and tell them, where is the man? <laughs> Instead he says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stoops down again and begins to write in the dust. Right? I pray that God would reveal to us what it is that he was writing. But what happens is that slowly by slowly, people began to leave until there was only Jesus who was left in the middle of the crowd. Now the thing is, is that there are three things that I think we can learn from this story. Three things that I want us to be able to look at. The first is this, is that in this story we can learn about self-righteousness. The second thing that we can learn about in this story is about mercy. And the third thing that we can learn from this story is about repentance. Okay? Now, in this story, like I mentioned over there, I was freestyling, we witness the self-righteousness of these Pharisees and teachers of the law. Right? Now, the thing about self-righteousness is that it's a sin that all of us are guilty of, but oftentimes, there are many times where we are oblivious to it in our own lives. It is, you know, self-righteousness is, 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 is very sneaky, and it takes very different forms, right? So now there's obviously this, the self-righteousness, the intense the, the, the pro version, the, the self-righteousness pro version, the one that's intense, right? Where it manifests itself in that we think that we are better than everyone else. In fact, this is basically what I mentioned previously, where it's just like, you, you're half following the, 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 the word of God, but you're still using that same word to condemn others, right? There are times where it manifests itself where we think we're better than everyone else, where you consistently judge those that don't look like you or talk like you where you alienate those who don't appear to look like you. You know, we talked about this last week, where there are some people who will miss what God is saying to them through someone because they don't like the vessel that he is using to speak to them. If you remember, we talked about that, right? So now that's Uko self-righteousness pro. Then there's also self-righteousness polite, <laughs> self-righteousness light, right? The really hidden, sneaky one. The one difficult to see where you go to God with this mindset of, because I did this and this, I deserve this and this from you, right? So what you do is, is that you realize is that you're, you, you stand not in the righteousness of Christ, but in your own righteousness, a self-righteousness, right? Where you think you have standing with God because of what you have done and not, what because, not because of what Christ has done for you. Right? The thing that's interesting is that in this faith that we profess, Christ is our righteousness. You have no righteousness to stand on other than his. There is no good deed that you can stand on that our right standing is with Christ. 
right? This is that hidden self-righteousness that, that is, is, is the one that hidden, the one I'm calling self-righteousness light, right? Where if you go to God with, it's because I've done this and this, then you, you're supposed to. Then the question then would come then where God can easily come and just be like, okay, so then why aren't you following the whole law? You've only followed this part. So if you are coming to me based off of this small part that you are followed, then why can't I come and make claim to this entire part that you do not follow? And so the danger of coming to God in our self-righteousness is because the danger of that is, is that if we come with that, then our basis is on our works. And let me tell you something, your works have no standing. This small thing in comparison to these other things that you don't do. And that's the thing. But the thing here is this, is that in whatever form self-righteousness manifests itself, what Jesus does is that he provides us with a remedy for it. And the remedy is this. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. This is the remedy. What this phrase does, it reframes you and your mindset in a different trajectory. When you are conscious of this, it changes how you approach everything and everyone. You know, the thing that's interesting is that Jesus did not say, let him who is without sin of adultery throw the first stone. Because in that case, there may actually have been a few people who would have been like, actually, me, I haven't, I haven't done that adultery one, right? Let me, let me be the one to throw the stone. No. Instead, what he does is that he sets the God standard. And the God standard is this. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. This is literally God's standard of righteousness. And this is a standard that no person can stand up to except one. The one and the only one who was left standing there with that woman was Jesus. The only person who has been able to achieve the standard of no one who has never sinned was Jesus Christ. And the thing about this thing, about this phrase, is that this mindset will help the self-righteous pro consider their judgments against others that they consider to be terrible sinners. If you remember how the Pharisees used to be like, you know, Jesus is there hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. That's how they viewed these guys. They, did not, they could not see their own sin. God's standard of righteousness calls all sin to account, including what you consider your small, small sins in relation to another person's. And again, like I mentioned, for self-righteousness light, what this phrase does is it helps you realize that you yourself have no standing before God except by Christ. You have no standing before God. So when you come there with the small, small things you've done, then the question becomes, okay, why didn't you do this and this and the other and the other? Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So if you go to God with that one good deed so that he can bless you then, <laughs> what does this mean for all the other things that you haven't done? Because let him who is without sin come and stand here before God. And to realize that the standard of our righteousness, we have no standing at all. 
that our standing is Christ. You know, Jesus tells this story in Luke 18 from verse 9 to 13 where he says, Then Jesus told this story to some of some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. He says, Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the self-righteous guy is like me, I fast, I tithe, I'm so close to you, God. This is the reason why God blesses me. God blesses me because I tithe, because I fast. And the tax collector is like, my guy, I need your mercy. I am a sinner, help me. I need you to be merciful towards me. My friends, Jesus is the only righteousness we have. All other ground in sinking, is sinking sand. And the remedy for self-righteousness is this. Let him who has no sin cast the first stone. Amen? Now, secondly, as I mentioned, what we witness from this story is mercy. Now, we talked about the house of mercy, and I'm going to get into that, that. This is not about the mercy that's displayed by Jesus. But the thing is, is that, you know, when Jesus said, let the one who has never seen through the first souls, it says that when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. As I mentioned earlier, the only person, who had the right to throw a stone at her was the only one left standing with her, which is Jesus. And the thing that I want you to also notice is this, is that notice what the people who brought her are called. It's in this scripture, they're called accusers. Do you know who else this phrase is used to describe? Satan. In Revelation 12 and verse 10, it says, It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Woo! And beknownst to these people, they were literally accusing this woman before God. Before Jesus, who is God. Satan is known as the accuser, and so are these people. Ha! Come on. And in this passage, we learn about the mercy of Jesus, like we did a few weeks ago when we learned about the house of mercy, if you remember. But the thing about this passage is that it's not only demonstrating to us about the mercy of Jesus Christ, but I believe it is also a demonstration to us about how we ought to practice mercy towards others. My friends, mercy is what's missing from this world, right? Because right now, we are in a world filled with so many flawed people in and outside of the church. We are all flawed. 
And Jesus Christ in this story, the one person who has every right to throw stones at this woman, the only person who is left standing who has every right, he has every right to throw a stone at this woman in accordance to his law. His law. And so the real offense is happening to him from this woman's actions. He asks her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. And look what he says to her. Neither do I. The one person who has the right to stone her chooses not to, though he had every right to do it. You may be someone who is watching this. And you feel as though you have every right to hurt someone because of what they did to you. But I urge you today to choose mercy. You know, the thing about mercy is that mercy isn't about what's right. Mercy is just mercy. Mercy is choosing not to have someone suffer the penalty of their sin. That's all it is. Where you have every right but you choose mercy. Where Jesus had every right to throw a stone at this woman, but he chose mercy. And so the thing for you today that I want to implore you is that rather than being on the side of the accuser, a phrase that is affiliated to Satan, why not choose to be the, on the side of mercy, a phrase that is affiliated with Christ Jesus? I believe that Jesus is calling those who love him and follow him to practice choosing mercy, to practice being merciful to others. Let me tell you how this thing is so, like, there's so many times where this literally manifests itself, where <laughs> you're literally driving, right? These are very simple. <laughs> you're driving. And this person has done the dumbest thing in the world, right? They've cut you off, they've done whatever, and you have every right to roll down your window and just be like, my guy, are you mad? Are you crazy? The amount of times <laughs> I sit in the car and literally the thought is just, I choose mercy. And let me tell you, mercy has nothing to do with the other person. Mercy is a choice that we make to just let it go. To just be merciful and just let it go. I choose mercy. And I believe at this time, especially in the world that we live in, that what Christ is calling us to do, the one who had every right to condemn, every right to throw that stone, he literally wrote the law, but he continually chooses mercy. And he chose mercy. And I believe that Christ Jesus is calling us to be like him, to show love like him, to choose mercy. It's not, mercy is not about the facts, facts, the facts, the facts. <laughs> mercy is mercy. And this world is missing mercy. We have been so mercifully loved by our Savior. And he is calling us to extend mercy to others. Now, lastly, the story teaches us about repentance. You know, after Jesus says to this woman that he does not condemn her, he says to her, go and sin no more. 
Now remember, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And so there's a couple scenarios in terms of when he says, because there's many different versions where he says, where he's saying to her, go and leave, leave that lifestyle. Leave it alone. Go and sin no more, meaning stop doing that thing. And these possibilities are that she was in a regular sexual relationship with this guy that she was caught in adultery with, right? And it was probably not the first time that she had slept with this guy. Or the possibility is, is that she was living an adulterous life, right? Where it was like, she's out here just in the streets. <laughs> and what Jesus was saying to her is that I want you to walk away from that life. I want you to walk away from that guy. I want you to walk away from that lifestyle. Go and sin no more. I want you to walk away from that. And what he was doing was he was asking her to repent. Remember, I've taught this many times, that to repent is to turn around. It is to turn around. You're going this way and you turn around and walk the other way. That is to repent, to turn around. And what is great about this story is that we see how we can do that in the very next verse where Jesus declares of himself in verse 12 after he tells this woman, go and sin no more. Walk away from that life. He says in verse 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, the thing that I want you to understand is this, is that she isn't just turning around and walking away from her sin. No, that she's not just doing that, but she is also turning from her sin to follow him. And what Jesus says is that he is the light of the world. And this is how you emit the darkness from your life. This is how you are going to be able to walk away from this. Is that you are going to be able to walk away from the darkness in your life by following the light. And he says to her, and he says to the people that were listening, that his light leads to life. That his light is leading you to fruitfulness, to progress, to vitality. So he's saying, I want you to walk away from that. But it's not, it's not those things like, get rid of this habit. In fact, he's, telling, he's, he's saying, I want to replace this thing with something else. That I want you to walk away from that. But the thing that I want to replace this with is not just the action of you walking away, but I want you to walk towards I want you to follow because he says those who follow me are following the light. Now the thing that's interesting and the thing that's important to understand is that when, you, when Jesus uses the word follow, the, 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 when he says here, I am the light of the world, if you follow me. Remember, in previous uh, uh, chapters, Jesus, in fact, in the previous chapter, in the chapter before, he talks about if you believe in me. But here, he chooses very intentionally to use the word, follow me. Now, the thing about following, it is an active pursuit. You don't follow, you can follow someone while you're stationary. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying, right? To follow is an active pursuit. You wake up and you follow someone. You don't sit and follow. And so the thing that Jesus is teaching us that's so beautiful about this is that how we are able to walk away from darkness is by following Christ. This is why we are called 
as those who believe, as those who have repented, as those who have turned around, is that we are called to maintain an active relationship with Christ. An intentional, active relationship with Christ. You cannot follow when you're stationary. You follow with intention. And so the thing is, is that to intentionally spend time in fellowship with him through his word, to intentionally spend time in fellowship with him through prayer, intentionally spending time in fellowship with other believers breaking bread, to intentionally spend time listening even to his word, that these are the things that are part of us following after him, following after the light that gets rid of the darkness that is in our lives. Hallelujah. And the thing that you'll find is that when this happens, when this intention happens, is that you begin to start seeing certain things that, started, that, that start to bother you more than usual because the light has come. And because the light has come, all of a sudden, some things start to become, you start to become uncomfortable. And I know many of you can attest to this. When you became believers, there were some things that never used to bother you. They, began, they begin bothering you. But as you begin to follow after Christ, more and more things, the light, the darkness just continues to just be illuminated by the light. And all of a sudden, you want to get rid of some stuff. You obviously, then, then, then what happens because the light has come, you begin to start to desire certain things that you never desired before. You begin to start having faith to do things that you never had the courage to do before. This is the darkness being expelled from your life. This is the dark works that are being removed from your life because Christ's light has come. And he calls us to follow him. That this becomes, not only do we now believe in him, but now we follow after him that we begin to have the intention of having a relationship with him. And this is literally how we overcome so many different things in our lives. It is in that place of fellowship where we can literally offer up our weaknesses to him and he will help us overcome them. Where you're like, he sheds his light upon something and you're like, Lord, I didn't know that I had this this, this undercurrent of negativity in my life. And now his light comes and then you're like, Lord, help me overcome this negativity. And he's like, got you. I got you. There are some things that you can't seem to navigate around in your life. But the thing about Christ Jesus is that he is the light that will show you the way out. And so the thing is, is to realize that to repent isn't just about you walking away from, but also you turning to walk towards. It is a call for us to believe in him and not just to believe, but also to follow after him. To follow after him. You know, the last couple of weeks I've been imploring that we would become intentional because there are so many things that are coming into this world right now that are here to stop you from having any intention. Your Christ is calling you to come follow him, but you're stationary and wondering why there's all this darkness. And he says to us, follow me. Just come and just linger in the light, my G. Come and linger in the light. This is the place where you need to be. 
this is the place that you need to spend time in with intentionality because I am here for you. And I'm here as the light that will eliminate all the little dark places, all the things, the dark, the darkness that is there. He comes to bring light into those places. He comes to build our character, to build us, to sanctify us. And that's the reason why we are being called into that intentional fellowship with him because it is that call that he's making to us. Come, follow me. Don't just turn around from that thing, but come follow me. Come follow me. I know you want to get rid of, but he's like, come follow me. Come follow me. You want to get rid of that life? Come follow me. And that's what repentance is about. It's not just about walking away from, but also what you're turning to walk towards. And so in summary today, what we learn from this passage is that number one, that the remedy for self-righteousness is this. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. That our only standing before God is Christ Jesus and what he has accomplished for us on the cross. That is the only standing we have before God. But this phrase also helps us in how we see others and how we respond to others and how we interact and judge others that let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. That before you condemn another person, remember this phrase. And the second thing is this, is that we can, like Jesus, who had every right to condemn, choose like him to show mercy towards others. Mercy is mercy. Mercy is not about the facts. Mercy is mercy. And Christ Jesus is calling us to be merciful towards others as he has been merciful towards us. And then the third and final thing is that the repentance that we're being called into isn't just about walking away from old ways, but is also about pursuing after Christ, following after him, entering into the intention of fellowship with him through his word, fellowship with him through prayer, fellowship with him through um, intentionally um, hanging out with other believers, fellowship with him by immersing ourselves into hearing God's word. That when we begin to intentionally pursue after Christ, that he is the light of the world and he sheds light in all the dark areas of our lives. That through us believing in him, we have been redeemed. And through our following after him, we are made whole. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for this word, Jesus. Uh, allow me to pray for us at this time. Father, in Jesus' holy name, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Father for what it is that you did for us through Christ Jesus. 
in that the only standing that we have before you is him. And so we come in his name and we thank you, Father, for the gift of your mercy. May you remind us, Father, and teach us how we can continually practice mercy towards others, including ourselves. That we would begin to immerse ourselves in your mercy and begin to extend that mercy towards others. Holy Father, teach us to be merciful. Father, also, would you help us to be able to follow after you? That we would not be stagnant, that we would not be, be stationary, but with great intention, that we would follow after you, that we would intentionally seek out fellowship with you, because you are the light that we need in our lives every single day, every moment. We need your light. We need your light to know what, where to go, what decisions to make, to, to, to understand how to overcome certain challenges in our lives, certain weaknesses. You are the light that shines upon our lives. May we live in that light to the glory and honor and the magnificence of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We ask and we believe. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.